Thank you, Dad. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Allie. Ashley, thank you for serving the kids. I used to be the children's pastor here, and there is something so beautiful about kids and about loving kids and serving kids. When you look at kids, you see curiosity and adventure and joy and wonder, and those are all things that are in God as well. Uh, I like to remember favorite childhood memories and find out from other people what some of their favorite childhood memories are. So let me ask real quick. Take a moment to think, what are some of your favorite childhood memories? Going out on your dad's boat with him. That's awesome. Another one. Fly fishing in Montana with family out in nature. Awesome. Climbing mountains, swimming in rivers. A couple more. Looking for treasures in the desert, like scorpions treasures or <laughs> rocks. Awesome. My kids love to search for rocks. I did too when I was little. One more. Driving grandpa's tractor with your aunt and over here. Horseback riding with your dad. One of my favorite memories was going sledding with my mom. I also remember my dad taking me to parks and playgrounds and playing critical thinking games where he would set up bizarre scenarios that I had to come up with a way to accomplish the solution. This is what we did for fun when I was a child. Um, I also remember my brother having a surprise box in his room. He's 14 years older than me, Katie's husband, Jeff Farmer. And as a little boy, I would know that I could go into his room and open this mug that was on his shelf, and sometimes there would be surprises he left for me. Blackjack gum was sometimes in there, which I don't know why that was a, a good surprise, but whatever he left for me, I was always so excited to find that. Some of my favorite childhood memories, though, uh, were a little bit different. I remember my mom and dad telling me stories about the presence of God. And I remember this one time in particular when I was sitting at our kitchen table in, in Clive, Iowa, and there were some guests visiting. Their names were Joel and Linda Budd, and there was another minister there. I don't remember his name. And they were telling stories of the presence of God that would show up in their churches. The Buds had a daughter. Her name was Haley, I believe. And we were... We were on a cruise after a convention, my family with some other ministers. This was a couple years before their parents were in our kitchen. And I had heard stories from my dad of different miracles they would experience in their church as the presence of God would show up. And in particular, one of those miracles, uh, gold, would show up in their services. I've actually shared this with you before uh, in another service a while back. But as they would worship and as God would show up, gold would fill the room. And I remember being with Haley. We were probably 10 and 11. And I was like, Haley... My dad has told me these stories. Are they true? And she said, yeah. Like, my hands will be out and the gold will just fall and fill my hands. And then it will fall to the ground and disappear. I was sitting at the table hearing these stories from Joel and Linda Budd telling the same things. They talked about times when their hands would be out and oil would pool in their hands. Supernaturally, it would show up. That aromas like vanilla or frankincense would fill the room as God showed up. And I remember sneaking up to my bedroom after they were talking about these stories, turning out the light, getting on my knees, and just being like, Jesus, I want you. I want more of you. I want to experience everything that you have for me. And it wasn't the gold. Like, that would be cool, right? If you saw gold show up, that's cool. It would have been cool. But it wasn't the gold. It was the fact that he didn't want any separation between him and me. It was the presence, and I was hooked 
I knew that I had to pursue his presence at any cost. I was ruined for a normal church where we come and sing some songs and talk about some nice ideas and leave and go our ways. I want the presence of Jesus more than anything else. So I want to talk to you about some words. Does anyone know Spanish? Yeah? Has anyone taken Spanish, cla Spanish classes? W was it your original language, Priscilla? Yeah, yeah. So there's these two words, and they mean in English kind of the same thing. They actually have very different meaning, but uh, the words are saber and conocer. And uh, if, say, we were talking about the, the president, and I was to say, yo sé el presidente. Does anyone know what that means? Not, not soy, yo sé, I, I know the president. Yo sé el presidente, I know, I know the president. Um, and that's true, I've, I've seen him on TV, I've heard things that he's said, I, I know some of his ideas, I know the president. But if one of his children were to come and say, yo conozco al presidente, does anyone know what that means? I know the president. I've seen him, I've talked to him, I know his heart, I know the ways that he thinks, I know him. Saber and conocer both mean know, but they have very different implications. In Greek, which is the language of the New Testament, there are also two words that mean know, and they are oidomen and gnosko. Oidomen is idea knowledge, it's head knowledge. I know the ideas of a thing. Gnosko is experience, it's encounter. I've tasted, I've touched, I've felt. I have a share in this thing. I know it. So there is a verse that I love. It's in John chapter 17. And Jesus has just been talking to the disciples about how he was going to leave. And he has expressed how God sent him here and gave him authority to give eternal life. And he's describing what eternal life is. John 17, chapter three. Now this is eternal life that they may know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Any guesses what word is used there for no? Avery? Yes, you are correct. The word is gnosko. This is eternal life, that you might know about God, that you might know some of his ideas, that you might read some of his words and kind of think you have a pretty good grasp. No, this is eternal life, that you might know him that you might encounter him, that you might be confident in what his heart is like, that you might see and touch and taste and feel and have a part in God. God's purpose from the very beginning has been his presence. The purpose has always been the presence. So I want to paint this picture for you. I was thinking about a way to like draw a good picture of it. So I was thinking of the analogy of this glass barrier. So pretend like it's Allie and me. We've never met in person. And I'm here and there's a glass wall and I can see her on the other side. Allie is my wife, by the way, in case you don't know that. So I can see her and there's this glass barrier. And I listen and she's speaking, but it's kind of muffled because I can't hear it really clearly. And I can watch and observe her. Do you think I could say that I knew her through that? Maybe like Saber, Oideman, right? Like I could kind of, oops, this is coming off. Maybe kind of say I know some things about her, but could I really say I know her? No, a glass barrier of separation. The purpose of God has always been the presence. We're going to come back to that glass barrier in a moment. 
God has been pursuing a people of his presence from the very beginning. The very beginning of the Bible, we have the Garden of Eden. Any, anyone, does that trigger an idea of where that shows that he was pursuing presence? He would walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, right? Yeah. What about when he calls Abraham? He says, come out from the things you know now. Let me take you to a new place you haven't been. I'm going to be your God, and you are going to be my people. Or what about Moses and the Israelites who are in captivity in Egypt? Come out. And he's, God is frustrated with the Israelites because they have not been listening. They've been stubborn. And he says to Moses, you know what? It's going to be better for you if you just go on without me. Just go into the promised land, and I'll stay here. What does Moses say? He knows how to pull on God's heartstrings. He says, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us. If your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us. Moses got it. What about all these scriptures in the Old Testament? Have you ever been reading through the Old Testament and you're like, oh my gosh, there's so much about the measurements of the tabernacle and the temple and the gold and the silver and the pomegranates. And it's like so much. Why would God take so much time What was the purpose of the tabernacle and the temple? The presence. It was the place of man and God meeting and knowing one another. The purpose has always been the presence. Or what about the incarnation? God himself breaking into humanity and our world so that there would not be separation, so that we could know him. Or what about the crucifixion where Jesus faces death head on and blasts through it? And what happens to the veil of separation in the temple where humanity was blocked from the very place where God dwelt? The veil that's like six inches, a six-inch thick curtain rips in half because the purpose was always the presence. And if I were to ask you why Jesus died, what's, what's like the Sunday school answer? What do most people say if you were to say, why did Jesus die? Save us from our sins. Save us from our sins. Eh. Okay, it's true. He did die to save us from our sins. But why did he die to save us from our sins? For the presence, the whole Old Testament and Gospels lead to the baptism of the Holy Spirit that happens in Acts, where there is a whole new way of communing with God, where we know him, where we hear him, where we see him, where we are one with God as his sons and daughters, not little children who are so different than him, but adopted, mature sons and daughters who share in the inheritance, who know him and walk with him. The purpose has always been the presence. So what's the big deal about the presence anyway? Why is it so important? The presence is about God expressing and manifesting who he is. There's a difference between the God who is present and the manifest presence of God. Do you remember the story in the scriptures when the woman brings the perfume and she anoints Jesus with the perfume? So that perfume could have been in a bottle on the table, and was the perfume present in the room? What happens when that bottle breaks and the perfume fills the room? Is it present in the room? There's a difference, right? God is everywhere. He's present here right now. There's a difference between the God who's present and the manifest presence of God when he is welcome and invited to express and be who he is in our midst. The purpose has always been the presence. I'm going to read a verse, 2 Corinthians 
Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When God shows up, freedom is in the house. He is freedom. It's who he is. So if he is present, just there, and not expressing and manifesting who he is, we're not experiencing him. When he shows up, freedom is in that place. And if he is freedom, in order for us to know him and encounter him, we actually have to step into and share in that freedom with him. There's a place where we have to have the courage and boldness to step out of our boxes and comfort zones into freedom. We have to have a share in who he is if we're going to be able to encounter him and if we're going to be able to see him. So what's the big deal about the presence? You will not be able to experience or know the presence of God if you're not willing to step into the same freedom that is who he is. The purpose of the presence will always be freedom. God being who he is, you getting to step into who you are and finding that you can know God in that place. My dad mentioned that we've been talking a lot about praise lately. Okay, so we've talked about what's the big deal about the presence. What's the big deal about praise? Praise is what cracks the glass. Remember my analogy of Allie and me on two sides of the glass? Now picture God on one side and you on the other. And we see him. We know about him. How do we crack the glass? My experience and the scriptures teach that praise is one of the tools that God has given us to crack that barrier of separation. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. When you declare who he is, you make room for him to manifest and express himself. When you say, God, you are good, and you are faithful, and you are my friend, and you are here, you make space for him to manifest that reality in your midst. He inhabits the praises of his people. It's like you cracking the glass. Here's the thing, though. It's not just the external glass that cracks when you do that. There is something about praise that is an incredible act of freedom, an act of the will on our part when we partner with that. It's not just saying who he is, but it's saying, I agree with who you are. I choose that this is good, and I want you. I want more of you. There is an incredible act of freedom that activates your freedom. It cracks the glass inside of you. You crack that barrier, and you crack it inside of yourself to a place where there is room for encounter to take place. It's like this. When we praise, we activate our freedom. God is freedom. So when we step into that freedom, we make space for encounter. And as we encounter him, he calls us into more of our freedom. And then as we step into more of that freedom, we make room for more encounter. And as we encounter him, we step more into our freedom. That's the process of praise and presence that God has designed for us. You were created in the image of God. When God shows up and you see him, this crazy thing happens where the standard of your own identity raises. When I see God, the power of God show up, 
I was created for power. When I see the goodness of God show up in the room, hey, I was created in that image. I'm created for goodness. When he shows up, something happens inside of us where we realize, whoa, I am so much more than I realized that I was. Worship is about who Jesus is. The reason that he's so good is not just because he's all-powerful or almighty. Like, you could have a tyrant who was all-powerful and almighty, and I sure wouldn't praise that person. That has nothing to do with why we praise him. We praise him because he's good. And the reason he's good is because he's for every single one of us. He's for you. He's good. I want to read a verse, 1 John 3, 2. This is actually one of my favorite scriptures. I'm going to start in verse 1, actually. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. When we see him, we see who we were created to be as well. You were created in the image of God. And when the manifest presence of God shows up, it's like one big yes to the image of God inside of you. One big yes to who you are and who you were created to be. The the manifest presence of God changes everything. I told you a story at the beginning as a little boy at my table in my parents' kitchen hearing these stories of the presence of God that would show up as gold or oil, and my prayer, Jesus, I want, to, I want to encounter you. Jesus, I want to know you. Jesus, show up like this in my life. And I did, like, I totally turned on the light and would, like, examine my hands as it happened. Didn't happen. Um, and, you know, like, I was sad, like, ah, oh, man. But all it did was increase hunger inside of me. 17, 19, I don't remember exactly how old I was. 17 or 19 years later, the last year I was a youth pastor here at the church, you guys were there. We were at camp. And uh, it was high school camp, middle school and high school camp. And we were in four corners of the room. Different youth groups had come together for this. And nobody was talking about gold. Nobody was like saying, oh, that'd be cool if gold showed up in the room. I think most of the people in the room didn't even know that was a thing God did. And the students were praying for the staff. And while they did, I don't even remember who saw it first, but you could hear the commotion in the room start to rise. And I don't know how to say it other than just like, there was gold all over my arms and my hands and probably 70% of the people, it was just all over us. God showed up in that place. And everyone who experiences something like that is changed. So we were at youth group afterward processing and debriefing about it. And I was asking them, like, what's your takeaway? And, you know, my fear as a youth pastor that they would, was that they'd just get so caught up on this, like the sign, the cool part of it, that they'd miss what God was doing underneath it all. I love this. I don't know why people are afraid of that, because it's not what happens. It, let me clarify. There are people who just chase the signs. 
but there are people who encounter the presence and they love the signs because it's about the presence. I'll never forget a boy, his name was Alex, and we were sitting right here. And I said, what's your takeaway? And he went, the presence. The presence. The purpose has always been the presence. When he touches you, everything changes. From the beginning, God's plan has been to build the people of his presence. His presence is about expressing and manifesting who he is. When we encounter him, we learn to express and live in who we are as well. And that's the place of the presence of God, and that's the place where we find that we can know him, that we can know him. In the book of Ecclesiastes, there's a scripture that says God has set eternity in the hearts of men, not just males, males and females, mankind. You are creating the image of God. You have a spirit. Your spirit knows what I'm talking about. Your spirit is responding to what I'm talking about. And that's going to be on different levels for different ones of you. But my guess is that there are several of you who feel the hunger of this, who feel like, I want you, Jesus. I want more freedom. I want to encounter you. I want everything you have for me. Does anyone feel that? Awesome. Okay, if you're able to stand and you feel that, or even if you don't feel it, but some part of you is like, I want to feel it, that's feeling it. So <laughs> if that's you, <laughs> I want you to go ahead and stand up. Um, I'm going to pray. I'm going to say one more thing, and then we're going to take some time to, to do this together. Oh, God. You will not be controlled or contrived or manipulated. You are freedom, and you are king, and you are a king who rules in freedom and for freedom. I ask you that every person in this room who has seen glimpses of you in their life and wants more of you, that you would respond, Jesus, that you would break the glass barrier, that you would rush in, that you would awaken your image inside of them in new ways, that you would awaken their sensitivity to your voice, that those who hunger to see your face, that you would show your face to them. Jesus, break the glass. Help us to break the glass. We just ask you to come in new ways. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, here's what I want to say. You feel free to still stand if you want to because we're going to go into worship in just a second. Do you remember the story in the scriptures of the woman with the issue of blood? She'd been bleeding for years and the doctors couldn't help her. No one could help her. Jesus is walking through the crowd and there's people all around. Jesus is present, right? Jesus is present. The woman sees him. He doesn't see her and she reaches out and she touches him. And what happens? Pa power is released from Jesus. And Jesus goes, whoa, what just happened? Jesus didn't even like purposefully say, I'm releasing power right now. She activated freedom and hunger and responded to Jesus and touched him. And power was released. And Jesus said, whoa, 
here's someone created in my image who wants me, who's broken the glass. My encourage, and she was never the same, by the way. She was healed. Her life was incredibly changed. You can't make God show up. You can't make miracles happen. But you can touch Jesus. You can let yourself get hungry. You can choose to break the glass and make space for him to do what he wants. So what does this look like? On our end, for some of you, it might look like raising your hands in worship. Maybe that's something you've never done before. For some of you, it might look like getting a little loud. I know, it's awkward, we're in a big group, nobody wants to be the loud person. I've been the loud person for a really long time. It's okay, I've just accepted it. (laughs) It was really important in my life that God did it and that I responded and stepped out of that box. Maybe it looks like getting loud, shouting, singing a little louder than you've sung before, lifting your voice so everyone can hear you. Yes, Jesus, I want you. Maybe it looks like moving and dancing. I don't know, the point is you'll know. You'll feel it, you'll feel like, I really feel like I should do this thing, but I don't want to do this thing. That's the place of breakthrough for you and the place of freedom. What's it going to look like on his end? I don't know. That's the great thing about freedom. He can do what he wants. I'm not trying to make him do any particular thing here. That would be silly. We want to know a living God who is free to be who he is, and we just want him to show up and do what he wants to do in our midst. That's so great. It's different every time. So my challenge to you is break the glass, make space in your life to encounter him, hunger, and just choose that you want to be someone of the presence because that changes everything.